That's an awesome story, isn't it? <clears throat> you got to work for it a little bit. We made you read early in the morning. <clears throat> but what a cool, cool story. And it is even earlier than you think. How many of you, you're here for the 10 o'clock service, but you actually thought you were coming to the earliest service and you were just here early for this one? No one? You all got it right? Okay, there was honesty. Uh, <clears throat> welcome. I'm glad that you are here. Uh, you can participate in this kind of life change. Did you know that? Some of you have experienced this kind of life change recently, uh, and others of you will participate in it by inviting. We have Easter two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. Easter is the pinnacle of, uh, of our faith. It's when Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead. The guy who rises from the dead is the guy I'll follow. I'll just go along with whatever he says. Uh, he's the, this, this is the event that we base everything on. If this doesn't happen, if resurrection isn't real, then we're all wasting our time. And so this is it, even more than Christmas. And so I hope that you are praying and you are looking around and considering who it is that you will bring with you to one of our four Easter services. They're going to be spectacular. They're going to be our best services yet. We're going to do one big one in the park on Saturday. Uh, the ones on Sunday will be just the same, but they will be awesome. And so be thinking. Come with somebody. Don't come along. Bring somebody with you. We're seeing this kind of life change in the video that you just saw all the time. And I want you to be able to be a part of it and see for your Self. It's a beautiful thing. So for these next two weeks, today and next week, we are preparing the way. We are on our way toward Easter. And I want to get you in the spirit of things. I want to get you thinking about these kinds of things and getting you ready for that big weekend. And today I want to build on the message from last week. Don't worry if you weren't here. You're going to be okay. You're going to get it. You're not going to need the message from last week. But last week I talked about how Jesus invites he says, come and follow me. He went to his early disciples and he said, come, follow me. And they were regular guys. They were regular average people. They had flunked out of the rabbinic school of following in the other rabbis. They were, they were not good enough. They didn't cut the mustard. They weren't smart enough in the ways of the Jewish faith. And so Jesus went and found deliberately, not the cream of the crop, the regular people like you and me the way I feel. And he said to them, and he says to you, come and follow me. In other words, I believe that you can become like me. That's what a disciple does. He becomes like the person he's following. That's what a mentor does. He has an apprentice. I believe that you can become like me. I believe that you can do the things that you, that you see me doing. So this week, we'll be talking about a story from Matthew's gospel, his account of Jesus' life, Matthew chapter 14. If you are reading along, if you have Bibles or an electronic device, or if not, you can just watch on the screen behind me. I want to quickly give you the context of the story that I want to read. I want to read to you this, the famous story of Jesus walking on water. But right before he walks on water, he does another miracle. He feeds 5,000 men and several thousand more women and children. So we're talking in the neighborhood of 10,000 plus humans. He feeds them all with five loaves of bread and two fish. And he'd been out there teaching because people just flocked to Jesus all the time. That's the way it was. It was just a normal Saturday. It was just a normal Tuesday, whatever. And they're flocking to Jesus. And they're hanging on every word, and he's healing people one at a time, and they just keep rallying. They just want to be around this guy. They're there all day. It's getting into the afternoon or the early evening, and the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, 
starting to get hungry. The natives are restless. Like, there's only so much that they can endure and listen to. You know, our services are 65 minutes. You know, and then you're like, you're ready to go eat. Imagine all day. Imagine several hours. And, and the disciples know it. They feel it themselves. Nature is calling. We got to get some food in these guys. And so Jesus tells the disciples, okay, you feed them. And they're like, come on. There's not a Chick-fil-A for miles. We can't. There's no way that we're going to be able to do this. And Jesus says, no, I want, I, I want you to do it. And they're like, no, we can't. There's only five loaves and two fish. We got to send them away. They, they got to go to their own homes and find a mart and do whatever they do. And Jesus says, all right, bring me the five loaves and the two fish, and he multiplies them, and everybody eats. And the, and the text says that not only does everyone eat, like take a couple bites, everyone's satisfied. So they're, they had enough that they're satisfied. You know that feeling. You didn't eat too much to where you're regretting it. Oh, man, that last, I went back the third time. That was a bad decision. No, no, no. They ate enough to be satisfied. And they had 12 baskets left over. 12 baskets full of food left over. So each disciple, I imagine, is holding a basket. Like, dang, I just got to stop doubting. I got to remember that this is the Jesus, this is the miracle man. And I got to get on board with this. This is crazy. Look, I ate, I'm satisfied, and there's 12 baskets full still. And so Jesus sends the disciples on their way. Here's where the story goes from there. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, so the same day, later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, I have a photo for you of, of the Sea of Galilee. This is where they were. I was on a boat, and you're looking across, and it's, it's, a, it's called a Sea of Galilee, but it's just a really big lake. And the way it's situated with mountains on, on either side is that geographically, for, for whatever geographic reason, storms could come up in a hurry, in a flash. And out of nowhere, the wind would start busting in, and those waves would get high. They would get six feet high, and boats, the little boats, would be moving around. And so that was the situation, that was the circumstance, and then it goes on. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Now, I know some of you grew up like in Sunday school or something like that, and you maybe did the flannel graphs and you heard the story. Even if you never went to church before, I'm sure that you've heard that Jesus walked on water. Because even in the movie Tombstone, there's an allusion to it, and he says, where's Wyatt? Probably down by the creek, walking on water. And so this is a thing that people have talked about for a long time, right? But I think we can gloss over it and miss the fact that it just says, kind of casually, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, on it. On top of it, he's walking on the water. When the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified, like we'd be probably. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Typical human reaction. Ah, terror, fright. It's paranormal activity. There's already, it's, it's bad enough that I'm getting dumped on, rained on. I'm soggy. I'm soaking wet. I'm bailing water out of my boat. This thing is small. It might capsize. And now I see ghosts. 
How many of you have been in a similar situation where you're, it's like, it's like maybe not the same situation, but, <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? So you've been in a situation where the circumstances are tough and the waves are high and you're getting battered around and you assume that things are just going to get worse. It's a natural assumption. You see something and it's just like, ah, oh, it might as well be a ghost. Matters are just getting worse. This is just more complicated. The hits just keep on coming. Such is life. I'm cursed. God's against me. Whatever that psyche is, wherever your mind goes, that's where they are. And they're not helping each other because one guy said it's a ghost and the other guys are like, yeah, it probably is a ghost. Ah. When in reality, it's the God of the universe walking on water toward them. The reality, as crazy, stranger than fiction as it sounds, is that Jesus is walking on top of the waves, on top of the circumstances, on top of the chaos. He's walking above it toward them to rescue them. That's what's going on here. And I think, I think that there's someone that needs to hear that today that you're caught up, you're paranoid, you don't know how this thing is going to get fixed, and you're kind of going through your head in a worst-case scenario kind of deal. Like, it's just getting worse. It's just going to be more. That's a ghost coming. It's this coming. And it's actually Jesus. It's actually your God, the creator of wind and waves, walking on top of the circumstances to come to your rescue. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't get so consumed by fear and the circumstance that you miss the fact that it's really God walking toward you. Verse 27, as if that story wasn't enough, we could stop there and go home and be okay, but it gets even better. Verse 27, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And I, I like these words, I think that these words are important because we can be seized by fear and still not submit to it. You know what I mean? You can experience fear, you can experience doubt and not surrender to it. Instead, you can choose to take courage and grab onto courage and wrap yourself up in courage and walk toward courage and jump into courage. And Jesus says, I want you to choose. Take courage. Don't surrender to the fear. I'm headed your way. The Lord, verse 28, Lord, if it is you, Peter says, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. Now, let me remind you, they're in a boat uh, uh, Jesus is walking out here on the water. Uh, he's in leather sandals and they're not ruined. Uh, the, the waves are high. The rain is coming down. The wind is howling. They're nervous and scared before they think they see a ghost. Then they think they see a ghost and they're really nervous and scared. And then he says, take courage. And they're all just kind of dumbstruck. Except Peter, who tends to putting his foot in his mouth and say things at the wrong times anyway. And he just bursts out, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. 
Listen to why this is so important. It's as if he's saying, hey, remember two years ago-ish when you told me to come and follow you by the shores over there? Remember, remember two years ago when you said, hey, you used to be called Simon, now I'm calling you Peter. Come and follow me. Jesus, does this apply? Was that just like a thing for religious stuff? Was that just about heaven and like, now I don't go to hell and that's cool. And now I'll listen to all your words and I'll memorize scripture and I'll do the good things and I'll jump in and I'll lead a small group. And I'll do. Was that just about that kind of stuff? Or was it about this too? Was it about get out of the boat, walk on water kind of stuff? Is that what you meant when you said that I could be like you? Can I get out of this boat and walk with you here? Are you kidding me? And Jesus says, come. Come on. Come on, Peter. Come on. Follow me. Keep following me. It wasn't just about then, it's about today. It wasn't just about that place, it's about every place. It wasn't just about normal stuff, it's about the miracle stuff. Come and follow me. And you can imagine Peter like, and the other disciples who were just frozen solid, they're just like, ah, but what if I fail? No one's ever done this before. This is uncharted territory. What if I fail? Everyone's gonna make fun of me. It's gonna be a disaster. And he just says, Come. Even if you fail, I got that too. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. We don't know how many steps he took, but the dude took some steps on water as he walked toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, and you can't really see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. When he saw the waves, when he saw the chaos, when he saw how high the waves were, when he saw how far he was from the boat, when he turned and looked around at the circumstances, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now get this. Our natural tendency when we read this is to think, yeah, Peter didn't have enough faith in Jesus. Wrong. He had faith in Jesus. He got out of the boat because he saw Jesus walking on water. And by the way, Jesus was still on top of the water. He had faith that Jesus could walk on water. He didn't have faith in him. But Jesus did. We talk about having faith and putting our faith in God all the time appropriately, as we should. But once in a while, we need to pause and remember that Jesus has faith in you. That he comes and calls you by name and says, you, follow me. Uh, in, In like the religious stuff of doing the right, sure, follow me. Like like in the miracle stuff too, like, like you want me to feed all these people, follow me. Like, get out of the boat and walk with you on water? That's crazy talk. Follow me. Peter, it's not that you didn't have enough faith in God. It's that you didn't realize that he has faith in you. That you plus Jesus equals unlimited possibility 
equals unlimited potential, equals anything is possible. Get out of the boat. Come on. Come on. We don't have to play it safe. You're with Jesus. It reminds me of when I was in college and I had uh, this friend who played football and he was this massive guy, uh, so, so impressive, such a cool guy. I couldn't tell at first whether he was black or like Pacific Islander or Samoan or I, I just thought his ethnicity was yoked uh, because the dude was monstrous and impressive. And I thought anywhere I go with this guy, I am safe. He invited me this one time to a, uh, like a football party. And so there were these football like bouncer guys standing at the door and I walked up. Somehow I was in the front of the group and I walked up and the dude looked at me like, who are you? And I said, oh, I'm Caleb Anderson. I'm a uh, men's volleyball team here, USC. He kept looking at me, didn't say anything, just kept looking at me like my answer was not enough. I said, uh, um, I'm the captain of the volleyball team. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as a sophomore, that's kind of a big deal. I don't know if you care about that. Um, and I started getting nervous and looking around for my friend, and my friend pops up, and he goes, and he's with me. What does it matter? And the dude's like, oh, man, my bad, my bad. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and lets me into the thing. And as I walk past, I look at him like, yeah, I'm with him. <laughs> Eat it, you know? I, it's just in my head. I didn't say that out loud. I just, in my head, that's what I thought. Because I was with that guy. I was with him. Friends, you are with Jesus. It's Jesus who's telling you to walk, to get out of the boat and come and walk on the water. That's not just something for back then. He's still inviting you right now. There's an invitation that you have not yet said yes to because you're not sure it applies. You're not sure it's really a matter of faith. You're not sure it's really for you. And really, when it comes down to it, you don't have faith in you and the God in you who is with you. There's some people here, I think, who haven't really yet committed to walking with Jesus. And you've been coming, and someone invited you, and you know people have been praying for you, and you get it, and you're, you, you're even willing to say that maybe he's the God of the universe. But your problem is you're hung up because you don't trust you. You know your stuff. You know the disaster. You know what you're capable of. You know where you've been. You don't believe in you, and here's what you need to hear. He does. And he says, come on. Come on. And then there's other of us who have made that decision. We're, we're following Jesus, uh, but we're at a crossroads, perhaps. You're at a place, and you're not even sure that this is a spiritual thing. Maybe this is just a game. Is that, is that a ghost, or is that really God? Is that, is that a whisper, or is that bad pizza? I don't even know if this is really a thing. But you have the growing sense that God's asking you to do something. He's asking you to trust him with something. And you're holding back, and you're playing it safe, and you're staying in the boat, and you will not be satisfied there. That's not the adventure. He's inviting you into an adventure, but you have to get out. But no one's ever walked on water before. I've never seen this happen. Okay, you're with him. And with him is better than whatever it is that you think is safe. So, 
Peter has his I'm with him moment. Here's how the story finishes. Verse 32, and they climbed into the boat. The wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Remember they went from hungry to satisfied. And then then that night they go from afraid, terrified to confident again. And such is our human experience, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. You can choose to live in faith and wonder and awe that you're with him, the God of the universe, and anything is possible. But to live that way, you can't play it safe. And here are three things that I think we choose to cling to for safety instead of jumping out instead of taking the leap and getting out of the boat. Uh, Find yourself in one of these three if you can. The first one, the first way we play it safe is by with structure, with structure. Because after all, boats float, right? That's what you do. You were designed to do. Boat, you float by definition. I'm not going to get out of this perfectly good boat because it's, it's using its functional purpose. That's why I'm in it. It's because I'm in the water and I, I want to stay dry. This makes sense to me. But I want to show you a quick photo of the boat. This is, uh, I was in Israel. This is a photo that I took. That's an actual fishing boat from Jesus' time frame. So imagine 12 people, even though they were smaller than us American guys, imagine 12 guys in that boat fishing. It's, it's that. Not very sturdy, not very impressive. That's what they fished in. So in other words, they're putting a lot of confidence in something that's not, not that great. You are too. You're putting a lot of confidence, a lot of security, thinking that you're safe because of the job, maybe, because of the relationship that you're in, maybe, because of the 401k, because of whatever, and it's not that safe. It could go up like this. It could fall apart. It's not as safe as you think it is. It's safer wherever Jesus is. And when he says, come on, you just got to go. It's better this way. So we got to get out of the boats that float because apparently disciples walk on water. And you don't want to miss that opportunity. The second thing after structure is science. A number of us are how people. How? There's a thing, there's opportunity. How? How does that work? Imagine if Peter's looking and he's seeing Jesus out there walking to him and he's like, well, how is this even? I don't, I mean, I didn't do that well in school, but I know that the H2O, I mean, this is not the solid state ice. This is the liquid state. Uh, we're not supposed to be able to, mm, if my calculations are, if he would have done that, he wouldn't have gotten out. Now, how people, we need how people. We should all be how people to a degree. But the important thing is to first delay the how and just just be a wow person. Wow. Are you kidding me? That's Jesus. Look at what that that Jesus is so crazy. He does this kind of stuff. Oh, I remember he just did the food feeding thing, and now here he is walking on water. Wow. 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 Before you go to how is this functional? How does this make sense? How does this fit into my five-year plan? How is this going to work? If I give that much money, then I'm not going to be able to do X. Before you go to how, stop and just go, wow, 
this is the God of the universe. He's out there on the water. And he believes in me. And he's saying, come on, join me. Wow. Wow. The third and final thing is status. Structures, science, status. Status because we're rational adults, most of us. And maybe, maybe we need to shift and become like faithful children. Maybe we need to become like a faithful child. Jesus said to be like a kid. He said in Matthew 18.3, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Did you know that growing up is a spiritual disadvantage? Did you know that when, te- when people talk about spiritual matur- maturity, they're not talking about seriousness? They're not talking about cognitive, how much I know. Maturity, you, we are supposed to change, and in that changing is growth, and in our growth, we are supposed to look more and more like kids. Ask yourself, is my spiritual journey making me more like a kid or less like a kid? Because I might be messing this thing up. Childlike faith. I think of my son, Jack, when he sees me do something that's not impressive. Some magic trick with my finger. Look, look at Jack, look at, ooh. And he's like, wow, wow, my dad, wow. This is incredible. I get to be with dad. He's so cool. He jumped off the couch with me. He did the thing. He does the whatever. That kind of just childlike wonder and awe. When Hillary and I moved down from Washington, uh, it was a similar kind of childlike, well, I don't know. Hillary had to say, I'm willing to leave my family and everything I know where my grandfather was the mayor and my family's famous and they have a street named after us and it's comfortable and I'm going to move down here on a whim to Orange County. Okay, we'll do it. And that's what we did. But when we did it, I was planning on making money. I was planning on, I was planning on working in business. I was planning on uh, coaching executives like the mentor guy that I had up there was doing, speaking and doing all that kind of stuff out there, and that's what I came down to do. And two months into it, I'm playing volleyball on the beach, and the senior pastor of Mariners Irvine is playing. I meet him for the first time. Apparently, he liked me. I helped him win in volleyball. And I get a call two weeks later, and they say, hey, Caleb, would you come in and consider working for Mariners and leading a church? I'm like, ah, that's not, that's not the game plan. That's not what I was thinking. That's not what I was planning on. But okay, is that Jesus? Is that Jesus saying, come on? It's crazy out here. We don't know how this is going to go. We don't know if we'll ever be able to afford a house in Orange County. We don't know if we'll be able to do this. We don't know if we'll be, I don't know if this is going to work for me. I had had church experience in the past and I felt like it hadn't gone well. I felt like I had failed. After all, I got divorced. I'm not meant to do this kind of a thing. Really? But what if I sink? And he just said, come on. And we just said, okay, we'll do it. 
we'll just take a step at a time and we'll just see how this thing goes because anything is possible. And this is an adventure of a lifetime that you're invited into. It's not just about making a decision once when you were a kid or 10 years ago or last year and that's the come and follow me moment. The come and follow me moment is every day. The come and follow me isn't just in religious, quote, religious things. It's in the adventures. It's in the miracles. It's in the who knows what could happen. It's in the how could this play? I don't even know, but I felt like you said, come on. And so I'm going to get out of this fake sense of security and I'm going to walk out on the water. And that's the only way that you want to live. It's the only way that you want to live. How come there's no more uh, stories in the Bible about people walking on water? We don't have any other stories of the disciples walking on water. Have you considered that? You know they tried. Right? I mean, you know they tried to recreate the circumstances. And all right, well, Peter did it, and he's an idiot. So let's do. <laughs> ah, pull me back in. Ah, it's stupid. What's wrong with me? We don't have any more stories of disciples walking on water because we don't have any more stories of Jesus walking on water. And a follower of Jesus just does what he sees Jesus doing. Look at this last verse, John chapter 5. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Friends, we only do what we see Jesus doing in the same way he only did what he saw his father doing. So unless you see Jesus walking on water, don't try it. It's not a party trick. The key is to ask yourself, where do you see God inviting you? Where is is the God activity around you right now? Are you paying attention? Do you see what he's doing in the here and now? Because he's doing something, he's doing something. And will you respond with childlike faith and abandonment when he says, come on, yes, you, come on, come on. It might be, it might be the big decision that you have to make that you're fearing. It might be the relationship that you need to commit to that you're not. It might be the relationship you need to get out of that you're not. It might be generosity. It might be an invitation to this person at Easter that's the most unlikely person. Whatever it is, come on. Come on. And then I think for a few of you here this morning, it's, it's an invitation to, to come and trust Jesus for the first time. You've been on the fence. You're not sure. You haven't committed. And, and this is your morning. Just to say, okay, I'm in. I'm in. If you're calling me, God, if you believe that I can do this despite my brokenness and all my stuff, I'm in. I believe I will do that. And it's as simple as just saying, just in the quiet of wherever you're sitting, in your own heart and spirit, yes, yes, yes. I will follow you. This is what I want. This is what I want. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now, and then we're going to respond together. God, we pray that you would continue to whisper, that you would continue to invite, continue to call. I know that there are some friends in here who are making decisions to follow you for the first time. God, we look to you, the God 
who didn't just walk on water, but you died on a cross and you rose from the dead for us, that we would have new life and forgiveness because of you. That's the invitation that we accept. And we're getting out of our boat of security, whatever that looks like, and we're with you. We're with you. We're with you. Would you give all of us the courage today, God, to come and follow? In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me as we respond?